Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. We are deep into this year's NFL season and everyone wants to know who will be coming out on top. Well, then you need to check out the one podcast that can get you everything you need to know about the biggest NFL games and analysis on this upcoming postseason. Our good buddy, Ross Tucker. He's got the football podcast. Ross has played seven years in the NFL before retiring. He's also a very smart dude. So you're getting the insider knowledge that you crave. Be sure to check out the Ross Tucker football podcast every week on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and many more of your favorite podcast apps. Finding a dress shirt that fits is hard. I literally can't do it. It's impossible. Uh, Except now I found a place proper cloth usually it's like the collars are either too tight or way too loose the shoulders too baggy you get one part that fits and nothing else fits it's just it's a disaster but proper cloth has figured this out you know what they do they custom fit your shirt it's very simple they take advantage of something that we use every single day it's called machine learning and it allows them to custom tailor a a fitted shirt for you just by answering 10 easy questions like how big are you how much do you weigh how tall are you? You should know these things, and if not, you can easily figure them out. And Proper Cloth will use that to create a custom shirt that fits you perfectly. And they have all of the different ways that you want to customize it. They've got them all. There are 30 different style points that you can get exactly the way you want. You can select from hundreds of pre-designed shirts as well. The team at Proper Cloth works with the best fabric producers from around the world. They only buy fabrics that meet their high standards of quality. Each one of the shirts that you get not only fits perfectly, but it's quality control tested, so you get the absolute best. All of their styles come with a perfect fit guarantee. doesn't fit? Just send it back completely free they've been featured in the new york times wall street journal esquire gq and fast company gq calls them their favorite online custom shirt maker you want to go to propercloth.com and you want to use uh, slash pff on there because when you do that and you enter code pff20 pff20 you can save 20 dollars on your first shirt it's very simple go to propercloth.com slash pff get fitted look good you're looking dapper today i never i've never worn a yellow shirt before it's canary yellow i like it i had a canary yellow shirt that I really liked and I overwore it and now I'm just uh, without. So um, this is the most dressed up you've been. And ironically, there's no Thursday game. So are you going out? You got a date or something? Well, I'm, I'm, 
No, but uh, I'm supposed to. Like, my wife set me up for like a haircut today at a place that's like better than oh. what I'm normally used kind to. Kind of so bougie, maybe, huh? So maybe maybe that's why I did this. No, is it, it the place that I went to that one time? No, I mean we're just so grateful for our sponsor, uh, Proper Cloth, and, and so I, I felt like you know I felt like rocking one of their shirts you, today. You told the story about how I tried to get a haircut in Cincinnati one time. Yeah, man. You're not going to that person, though. I'm not going to that person. Although I would say, like, I'm I'm deferential on a lot of things. So, like, when it came comes to my hair, if somebody else said, "Hey, it should be parted the other way," I'll probably I probably agree with them. Whereas you, of course, are more controlling over your looks. Would put a hit out for so them. you. You did put a hit out for that person. It was, it was really thoughts bad. and prayers for their uh, well being. To be quite honest, uh, there there are a few things that give me as much anxiety as not knowing when my next haircut is coming. Or moving you, to a new city and you being frankly like, like travel. You like get haircuts in other cities. Because yeah, I go to D.C. because my girlfriend is there and that's yep. where I get my haircut. Anyways, that made a lot of people really identify with me and like me more than they did before. And that's the goal of this <laughs> open. Speaking of people that are no longer liked by those that they used to know, Tom Coughlin is out in Jacksonville. And the question that I have about this is. We say, I think we're seeing something similar with the Carolina Panthers. And I wonder if the Jaguars are going to follow suit, which is, okay, old school ain't working. Mm-hmm. What is working is what the Ravens are doing, listening to the math, what the Eagles did, listening to the math. Do these two teams with owners that are more progressive, do they pivot completely? I think so. I mean, the issue, with Co- the issue that brought in Coughlin was the fact that the team – like smart or dumb wasn't winning on the football field right and Coughlin you sort of bring this thing and also they were there was issues with like whether they'd move to London whether or not they'd they'd be in Jacksonville for very long so it was very much a move to sort of like let's restore some of the Jaguarianness of this team right much like you know when Washington got Joe Gibbs back after like 15 years or you know Raiders got Art Shell like these teams do this all the time it just wasn't a fit now because the way Coughlin runs a football team is just simply not applicable to today's NFL. I mean, he kept Blake Bortles around. Well, not only that, but he, I mean, the Blake Bortles thing is symptomatic of what, of what a Coughlin like regime values, which is defense and running, right. which doesn't win. You know, basically the, a lot of these guys say, if we can just get a quarterback to be average, all my, all my brilliance in the other part of the football game, namely toughness, We'll, we'll carry through, and we, of course, know that that's not the case. Picking Leonard Fournette set them up for kind of disaster, obviously. Not valuable. Not a good pick at the top of the draft. I mean, if you look back at the He wouldn't the have been a good picks, pick in the top three rounds of the draft. Sure, but I mean, if you look back at the top, uh, the last five drafts, top five picks, you can make a really solid argument. That is the worst one, and the worst one by far. Yeah, Um that's it's not great i mean the tape taking Taven bryan instead of lamar jackson was also a, an egregious uh even even at the time Man, we sort of thought that, that we thought the that, prob- that was bad the problem is though that if lamar jackson were playing for the jacksonville jaguars he'd be wide receiver three right now yeah. gardner Minshew would be throwing slant routes to lamar jackson and down it, down 20 we also pause and talk about gardner Minshew, who right now is the most valuable rookie in the nfl and Again, back to our, our our overarching point, which is with the exception of a few teams, teams do good things and teams do bad things. Teams get lucky. Teams get unlucky. And so you really have to look at the process because 
you could look at this and say, well, they drafted Minshew. They must be really smart. And it's like, well, no, Minshew just ended up being decent and because their intention the entire time was to start Nick Foles in the, all the respect. The Patriots the were really room. smart because they drafted Tom Brady at 199. Exactly. I mean, so it, it's interesting. They've made good picks. They've made bad picks. The 2014 draft was very good for them. Uh, but, you know, after that, it, it's been basically a train wreck for the Jags. Can I tell you how it might turn around? Okay. I, I believe that Tua is actually going to vault mm-hmm. in the draft. But if he doesn't, they might have a chance to get Tua. And that would be a, a fantastic chance for them to take, right? You play Gardner again. You give him a chance with a new coach, a new system to figure things out and potentially be that late round guy that hits Mm -hmm. and you have Tua getting better I actually have a really kind of hot take I thought of this morning we were talking about the number one and number two picks yesterday Mm -hmm. the Giants if Tua if they're if he checks out the Giants should take Tua at number two and they should let they should let him heal they should give Daniel Jones a shot and if not they should go with Tua and I get that Chase Young is fantastic Khalil Mack Aaron Donald, both generational talents at their position on the defensive line. And you know what they've done without quarterbacks? Four wins, five yeah. wins. It ain't worth it. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the problem is the singular defensive players, as the Bears are finding out, are not franchise-altering. Uh, Houston Texans found that out with J.J. J. Watt. Uh, singular players on the defensive side of the ball are not franchise-altering in any way, shape, or form. The Jaguars, we have them, on average, getting about eighth or ninth pick. Um, Tua probably, unless teams start to think the way that we do, Tua will probably be available there. It would be a great pick for them. You look at their roster, do they have, I mean, at wide receiver, DJ Chark, Chris Conley, uh, you know, they they have some pretty good depth there. They could probably use a tight end, although, uh, you know, and I haven't brushed up on the draft. There's probably not one available in the top ten that would be smart for them to take. On defense, they have had some attrition, but they have some good players. Josh Allen, uh, also Calais Campbell. Like they have, there's pieces there that they can work with. I do agree, though. At this point in time, you, the question that you have to ask about every single team in the top ten of the draft is how good does your quarterback have to be for a quarterback selection to not be the best choice? I honestly think that the Redskins were may have just be coming out of that. Maybe, Haskins, maybe. Has, Haskins has played well enough that they may be creeping out of that, but I even think the Redskins should be considering it. You are just not a viable NFL team if you don't have a top 10 quarterback. You're not competing for a Super Bowl. I'm sorry. So you either try and get that guy or you're wasting opportunities on players who are going to be good enough for you to pay, and then you're going to be hemorrhaging the yeah. opportunity to build an offense around a young quarterback. Okay, shall we move on? Yep. Week 17 there's always a question of what the Sunday night game is going to be. And I'm very curious. I haven't heard anything yet. We don't find out till Sunday, right before the Sunday night game, where we'll announce it. And so we're going to try and predict. Now, you know what I'm hoping for. Yeah, and I, and I think that the, the whole league will be hoping for it. And, and, you know, there are only a few candidates, right? I mean, Houston plays Tennessee, and I think if the game – well. Assuming, so, assuming people cared equally about the divisions, which I, it's a faulty one because people care more about the NFC West than they do the AFC South. But assuming last week would have turned out differently, it would have been a far more compelling game. Right now, though, 
you know, we have Houston with an 89% chance to win the division. They could sew the division up with a win, win against Tampa Bay uh, on Saturday. The betting markets are even more bullish. They're minus 115 or one, uh, 1,500 on Houston, plus 800 on Tennessee. This one's wrapped up. So this Tennessee one has to play New Orleans. We'll talk about that game. Yeah. So then the other game is Seattle-San Francisco, which we've been talking about yep. since that game yep. that happened in San Francisco. Now, there's a lot of compelling components to that game, just aside from the fact that it's it could be for the one seed, yep. and the loser could be going on the road to the fifth seed, to the fifth, or seed. even the sixth seed, depending upon how, what Minnesota does with their next two games. That's, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wishful thinking, right? <laughs> but what's very interesting about this is where they sit right now. So, if we're trying to say how does this game not end up on Sunday Night Football, it's very hard to figure out how this game is not for the division, right? Yeah. Because even if San Francisco were to lose, you know, th- this game to the Rams. And Seattle were to win. A San Francisco win in Seattle would still allow them to go to tiebreakers. And if you'll help me walk through the tiebreakers, I believe that it's very hard for them to lose a tiebreaker. Uh, Yeah, because so if and we're going to talk about Rams 49ers in a second. But let's assume let's assume that the 49ers lose to the Rams on Saturday. Right. That's really the only way in which this isn't for all the marbles. Right. And, and Seattle, well, let's say Seattle wins against Arizona. And then and then you look at that game, San Francisco will be a game behind, both in the, in the, the, the tiebreaker but also in the, in the standings. If, if San Francisco were to go to Seattle and then win in Week 17, they would have the same division record. They would have the same head-to-head record. They'd have the same conference record. They've had, they'd have the same record among common opponents. And then after that, I do believe it's strength of victory – uh, in which and which I believe San Francisco gets the edge there. So when you look at that, right, our our simulation is a little bit more bullish on Seattle because of a couple of reasons: quarterback and home field advantage. Now you can make a case that Wilson is maybe not that much better than a trending well Garoppolo, and that you know how fi- to get me excited. That home field advantage is not as important as it once was, but. That we would have, so we basically have Seattle with more or less a fifty-seven forty-three chance to win that division, based upon how it's almost down entirely to Week Seventeen. The betting markets, however, are basically split. I mean, uh, Bet Online, for example, and they have a little bit too much hold here, but Seattle's at minus one fifteen, San Francisco's at minus one fifteen, basically saying that there would be, they're basically like, an, that San Francisco is three points better than Seattle. Essentially, is what they're saying which I find a little bit heavy considering the last time these two teams played, San Francisco was a six-point home favorite, which was, again, implying the exact same thing. And over the course of the last few weeks, we've seen San Francisco lose, including that game, three times. Uh, We've seen Seattle stumble once against L.A., but have some impressive victories. A victory against Minnesota was impressive. Um, You know, they've a victory against Philadelphia. Like, they've done... I think more to warrant just being basically a pick 'em at home against San Francisco in Week 17. I will push back on that. The game in San Francisco against Seattle was a very close game throughout, in which Jimmy Garoppolo was throwing to receivers who had no idea what they were doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a absolute joke. Their wide receiver core: George Kittle, Emmanuel Sanders, and Debo Samuel. I I'm going to say this right now. There might not be a wide receiver core that 
I am more excited about having if they're all on the field and they're healthy. Now, there are definitely some that are up there. I think the Houston, yeah. when all healthy, wide receiving core is awesome. But the diversity that they have, they can get down the field, they can catch short, they can break, you know, they can get yak. George Kittle's obviously the best at that, but Debo Samuel has been incredible. And Emmanuel Sanders might be the most underrated wide receiver one in the NFL. So if all those guys are healthy, mm-hmm. I feel really good about San Francisco's offense. And Seattle, Seattle has run more offensive plays losing than they have winning. I mean, they're not a good NFL team. Aside from aside yeah, from us, they're a bottom sorry. third. Of what the I team. mean is their supporting cast is not a good NFL. They're team. a bottom they third a of the league. They're a bottom third of the league team in terms of war by non quarterbacks. They're not a great team in that regard. San Francisco, on the other hand, is a lot better. But you look at here's the thing, and we're gonna. Can I just say one thing? Yeah. I remember vividly after that game, you said the reason that we we shouldn't overlook Seattle is they have these superstars, right? Mm-hmm. Jadavian Clowney had the game of his life. Mm-hmm. In San Francisco, I'm not betting on that happening again. I just the, the preponderance of, of evidence tells us that's not happening for Jadavian Clowney yep. with with repeated consistency. I, I will push back because I, I agree. If you grade out the players, the 49ers are a better team, except for the most important position. But head coach, and we're going to talk about this. And we're going to talk about this when we when we try to handicap LA versus San Francisco. But San Francisco, you know, you're you're getting, you know, Richard Sherman's been banged up. He returned to practice, but he has not been 100% for the majority of the season. Uh, K1 Williams is another player. He has just, you know, come back uh, via concussion. Jaquiski Tart's not going to play. Uh, Weston Richburg's out for the season. He got, you know, his replacement, Mike, he got absolutely demolished by he Grady Jarrett drilled. In, the, in that game. Poor guy. And so... The the and whereas and Seattle is not the healthiest team in the world. Like especially going into this week, we considered Seattle, but a lot of their defenders are injured, including Clowney, who missed last week. I think there could be a situation where San Francisco's injuries catch up to them to the point where it's a little closer, um, and then you fold in quarterback, home field advantage, all that kind of stuff. And I do think I would give the edge to Seattle, but it, you know, I don't. I, all your points are great. I'm going to give the edge to San Francisco, and here's why. Kyle Shanahan had sort of figured out the fourth down thing. I talked to our, our buddy Oscar last night, and he was like, what's the deal with Shanahan and fourth downs? Because he gets aggressive, and then all of a sudden against the Falcons, he turns into Dan Quinn. My belief is that Kyle Shanahan will learn from that Falcons disaster. And he'll go, what did I do in Baltimore that gave us a chance to win? What did I do in New Orleans that, that won us the game? I, I was aggressive. I trusted the fact that I have this great offense that I've put so much time and effort into that they can gain one or two yards when they need it. And I also think he has a different mentality when the other team he's facing is, is really good. And the Seahawks, I believe, he'll treat like a real team. He, he thought he could beat Atlanta by just basically playing defense at the end, and, and that was wrong. But When you have Matt Ryan and Julio Jones on the other side, that is the wrong thing to, to think. So when it comes down to it, Week 17, if you have a crucial fourth down, all other things being equal, I'm taking Shanahan making the decision instead of Pete Carroll. The NFC East. Dallas and Philadelphia, obviously, they play this week, yep. and this game basically determines the division. It's basically 60 40 um, yeah. at this point. And right now, Dallas is minus 200, and Philly is plus 150. We've talked about this a bunch, man, but there's a couple of angles here. The first is who do you trust more? Do you trust Peterson and Wentz, or do you trust Dak and, and Garrett? Yeah, and that's really the tough part because this is where football becomes like an all-encompassing game. (laughs) 
because I there's no value in the betting market here. I don't think you you would you you. Your handicap for Dallas has to be more; clo- it has to be closer to seventy for you to lay the two to win one. Uh, and Philadelphia here, I, they're just not giving you enough either uh, to bet that side. Um, for me, it's I, if that if they had even talent on the rest of the roster, it's Wentz and Peterson, no doubt. Um, but the the issue is is that Dallas has a pretty stacked roster. I think like they've finally been surpassed this week in terms of war generated by their roster this year. They are very good in important places, quarterback, receiver, uh, at least from the player's perspective. And then you roll in Garrett, decreases them quite a bit. But it's not like it's not like Peterson is calling plays that make Philadelphia an advantage player anymore. I. Their their fourth down thing, thing was great, and they 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 leaned on variance quite a bit in 2017. And Jason Garrett's underrated in this regard this season. He is, and there's there's a legitimate chance that a fourth down isn't going to be the difference between this game. Like we always overrate that, but like there could be a game where Philadelphia is just very inefficient offensively, like they were the last time, and we never get to that question. So that's really my concern. Philadelphia has no receivers Dallas is pretty good in the secondary it's really going to be whether or not in my opinion Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard can beat up on some underachieving linebackers for Dallas as to whether or not they have a shot or and this is the kicker whether the AC joint injury to, to Dak is debilitating and as somebody who's had an AC joint injury it feels like a knife is being shoved into your trap the entire time and so he must there, there's a legitimate chance that they, that injury could be debilitating enough where all bets are off for me. If there's a way to make that feel better, Jerry Jones is going to find it. That's true. Here's where I see the edge in this game. Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott, wide receiver quarterback, the two most valuable players on the uh, positions on the team. They have like a 130 passer rating. Pretty good. I think yep. it's third in the NFL. Dak, uh, sorry, Carson Wentz. Doesn't have a single wide receiver that he has over 100 wide receiver rating to, uh, pass rating to, sorry. So he just has no weapons with which to make any big plays. I mean, they've got to be perfect on these shorter, intermediate plays to tight ends yeah. over and over and over again. And everyone knows they're coming. So that's a huge advantage for the Dallas Cowboys. They actually have an offense that is efficient. Yes. They're a top five early they're down offense. offense. And the Philadelphia Eagles are, I believe, 26th in first and second down passing offense, while the Cowboys, I think, are second or third. So there is a dramatic difference in the fundamentals of these two teams at the most important spot. And I totally co-sign with you. The Jason Garrett, Doug Peterson difference, it's not as big as I think we might want it to be. Here's the thing that I think will possibly give the, the Eagles a shot, but I will come back at it with it didn't give the Rams a shot. So clearly, you know, the the Cowboys leaned on the running game last week and it worked. Um they ran for 250 some odd yards. Uh both Pollard and his backup Zeke did extremely well. Um the Eagles only give up 4 yards a carry. They're top 7 in the league in yards per carry allowed. The Rams are 8th, so that that shows you how much that means. Yeah. But it's not like Dallas is going to be able to say, "Okay, we're just going to out tough like they predictively cannot just say, hey, we're Dax Dax arms hurt. We're going to lead on the run game just like we did against the against the Rams. And that's going to equal a victory. Like if, if somebody's trying to handicap the game that way, I'm telling them they're full of crap because yep. that's just not the way it goes. 
Dallas's run defense is not that much worse at 13th, right? And that's really where the Eagles have to make their hay, right? Because they don't have receivers. They have to. Miles Sanders was a big part of their win against Washington. Uh, Boston Scott was a big part of their win against the Giants. Like, that has to be where they, they win. And I just don't think Dallas is weak enough there for that to even be a thing either. So it's basically, for me, it's all about how Dak responds to this injury. Because otherwise, I think Dallas should be a decided favorite, frankly. I'm with you there. Last but not least, we briefly touched on the AFC South. Tennessee just doesn't have much of a shot right now. They obviously have to beat the Saints. They're underdogs at home, um, but we've got it about a 90-10 proposition at the moment. Well, what they need is Houston to lose to Tampa Bay, which could very well happen. That can happen. And then they need Although to Tampa Bay super banged up. Tampa Bay super banged up. Um, their defense is better, and Houston is one of the more, more, more enigmatic teams in the NFL. Tennessee has to win a home game against against the New Orleans Saints, and then they got to go on the road to beat to beat Houston. We have that at about eleven percent chance of happening. So that's not, you know, each one of those things has about a combined, you know, uh, take the the square root of the point one one. You're basically talking about one in three chance of each one of those happening. Um, so that's that's going to be tricky um, uh, there. So you're basically, if you're a Tennessee Titans fan, you're hoping for that sixth seed. Succeed. If if you're saying right now, this is a question that we didn't have on our doc, but I just want to bring it up one more time because I think it's really interesting. There's a lot of parity right now. If you look at the one and two seeds on both sides of the bracket, they're not they're not as strong as they normally feel. The Ravens are obviously great, but then you've got the the Patriots right now, who no one feels great about. On the other side, yeah, the Saints have looked really good in spots, but they also clearly have some deficiencies. Mm-hmm. The Seahawks we just talked about, right? So who's a non, you know, we talk about how important the buy is right now. If, I, if I'm looking, though, at who I want to take, you know, in the Super Bowl, obviously the Ravens are up there. But to me, really, the team that I'm looking at right now is a three seed, and it's it's the Kansas, Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs. Like there's. That's the team that I keep going to and going, you know what? That's the team that I feel most confident in winning the Super Bowl aside from the Ravens because they have all of the components. Their defense isn't terrible. No one is talking about Pat Mahomes. It's supposed to last year when all that's all anyone could talk about. And they've slowly, you know, crept through the season. They haven't faced a ton of adversity. And uh man, I, that was such an impressive performance in the snow. So is it do you have another team aside from the Chiefs that is super scary that's not getting a buy yeah obviously if you're a Chiefs fan you're looking for Buffalo to win this week right that's really the key for you although we're going to talk about this later I think the Chiefs are laying too many points on Monday night or on Sunday night football um so if we're I don't know I mean the thing is is the team that comes out of the NFC West is going to be is going to be fierce but the team that doesn't it I think is like if San Francisco somehow loses to Seattle yeah. on the last Sunday of the of the season, I still think that they're a team that will travel well in the playoffs, and they should not be taken lightly. Um, and and we've seen that you know we've seen that before. We've seen a team get swept you know in the regular season and come back and win in the in the in the postseason against the same team, for example. Um, so that's one. Minnesota is another one. I, I know that we said their value to win the you know basically the NFC was 
you know, a, a value a couple weeks ago. We expected Green Bay to maybe lose one of these games, but you know, Minnesota's sort of not run well enough to have them lose any of those games. So they're going to probably 88-12 be a, a wild card, but I do think they will travel well in the playoffs. So those are a couple teams that I like. To me, it's this is the year that there's a you know non buy team that that has real legitimate shot. Well, to, there there are teams in the NFL this year that, in my opinion, they peak too early. But there are teams in the NFL right now that the endowment is real. New England is in, was endowed with a nine and zero record or and whatever, I, and they're just hanging on to. And that I'm not life. scared of the Packers. The Packers were endowed with whatever it was eight and one. They're not that good. Um, even San Francisco, like I, we think San Francisco is good, but they weren't as good as the 8-0 implied early right. in the season. They, so. They're very reminiscent of the Rams from a couple of years ago where it's like, hey, they took the league by storm, but that doesn't mean... In the they're... playoffs, they're a good bet. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay, last segment here. We're going to talk about MVPs, but not MVPs from a quarterback perspective necessarily. So yep. two different ways of looking at um, MVPs. So first off, let's throw the quarterbacks out because quarterback is the most valuable position. Most valuable player should be a quarterback. So who's the most valuable non-quarterback? I think right now you have to. Right now it's Chris Godwin, <laughs> which it's is crazy. It's crazy to think about. Um, I think when you look at him, what generates a lot of value for him? Well, it's the fact that his he's down. He's a down the field receiver. He's a great after the catch receiver. Um, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes in terms of drops. Um, a huge deal this year that's been an issue with Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins relative to previous years is they're dropping the football a little bit more. Um, Godwin's just been great in that regard. Now he's hurt, so I would say that over the next two weeks, a, a player like Hopkins or or um, Thomas Thomas will emerge and surpass him. But uh, that for right now, he's there. Then the other player that I want to bring up is George Kittle, who at the tight end position is generating a ton of value now he's yeah. not going to be the important thing to remember is that for receivers they can get down the field yeah. and they will get more opportunities down the field obviously chris godwin in that tampa bay offense got a ton of opportunities down the field and that's you know he earns yeah. some of those opportunities because yeah. he's a good receiver but you know the, the george kittle has kind of a more herculean job to generate that much value and he has been one of the most exciting players to watch this season and yeah. is almost gaining he'll probably end up at, a, at close to half a win above replacement from the tight end position which is fantastic yep. averaging over eight yards uh, after the catch per reception for his career which is just ridiculous there's um it, it, that you just don't see that happening yep. uh, unless you're a running back well and this brings up a good point because I, I do think we're a little low on Kittle because our tight end coefficients are just different than our wide receiver coefficients but at the same time, what you just brought up is extremely important and what we talk about with running backs. If I'm going to generate value as a player, I'm much more likely to do it by running a 10-yard, 8-out route and catching the football there. That's more difficult. That's more scarce than I am. And there's, there's a, a significant chance that George Kittle, his ability to get 8 yards after the catch is part skill part luck mm -hmm. if he's running good on that right maybe he's more fundamentally a five yard after the catch guy or six yard after the catch guy then if i'm if i'm trying to really truly assess his value in a in a in a actual season he's going to just be a little lower for the same reason we talk about saquon barkley and why his receptions aren't as valuable because he's catching the ball a yard in front of the line of scrimmage and there might be some years where he gets you know bust big runs and stuff like that after the catch 
but over the course of like the entire history of the league, it's just not as valuable to do that repeatedly, right? So I think Kittle's running good right now and his ability to break tackles and all that kind of stuff, but there's we also just might be undervaluing him. Let me ask you a, a, a question that is very serious here. Would you rather have Chris Goblin on your team or George Kittle? Uh, that's a great question. I... Uh, I I I think Kittle even if even the way that the, the, the isn't that an interesting are, way to the, think about it? Yeah. I, well, the problem is, and I, again, this gets down to replacement. I think elite level wide elite level tight ends are maybe don't generate more value over replacement level tight ends, but they're more scarce if that makes sense. But the thing is, is tight end. The problem is, is like if I put Kittle on the Tampa Bay offense. Who, who knows? I, I don't know because OJ Howard's a really talented player, and they'd have done nothing with him. If I put Godwin on San Francisco, I feel like he'd roast. He'd I mean, he would. Great. So, so that's that's a good question to ask. Yeah, I, I'm with you, but it's very close for me, and I'm biased because of the name. All right, next uh, iteration of this is who's the most valuable rookie? And here, there should be no. People are going to say, "Oh, you know, Josh Jacobs, or one of the receivers." But we got to think about where value is generated. So, the most valuable rookie right now is who? It's Gardner Minshew. <laughs> And Gardner Minshew's a quarterback, so it's it's sort of always like if you play if you play well at the quarterback position and you play a lot, you're going to generate value. And we actually have him. So this is again the issue is that we have him slightly below average quarterback, but playing slightly below average quarterback for 772 snaps is going to generate some value to a team now above replacement. Yes, above a replacement guy because replacement level quarterbacks are are bad. bad. Um, if you just look at non-QBs, you're looking more at the Terry McLaurin range, which, to your point about Dwayne Haskins, that's awesome, right? Like He's, he's going to be a player that, that Dwayne Haskins is going to have to throw to uh, for a significant amount uh, of, his, you know, of his career. So um, that's a good thing for Washington. they gotta, they got to steal there. Highest-graded rookie receivers since 2006. Odell Beckham Jr., Michael Thomas. Terry McLaurin. A couple of OSU guys, our buddy Chris Carter's, hopefully, I'm sure he's watching right now and yeah, he's yeah. going, I'd be on that list too if, uh, if, if you guys graded. Chris Carter, Michael Thomas comparison is, is, so, is so like apt. And then Terry McLaurin makes this one-handed catch in Green Bay two weeks ago that was Chris Carter-like. So maybe there's something in the water at, in Columbus. And the difference between um, you know, Terry McLaurin and, and A.J. Brown, I think, is actually significant. A.J. Brown is picking up a massive amount of yards after the catch, which you just talked about. I believe he's at like 8-6. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think the only guys over 8 uh, for the receiver position are him and Debo Samuel. Terry McLaurin, though, is making plays down the field. He leads all rookies in catches 20-plus yards downfield and contested catches. He is earning yeah. above replacement level value by doing things that can't be schemed necessarily here's a here's something so i just because i i'm actually like a little bit conflicted about the the kittle and the yards that have catch and everything so i actually just i we almost never look at the actual statistics in the nfl because they're just noisy and stuff there are 18 players right now who have over a thousand yards receiving the most surprising right now Darren Waller for Oakland is a tight end that has 1,001 wow. receiving yards, and Austin Eckler and Austin Eckler, Zach Ertz, 
and George Kittle have basically the same number of receiving yards. How crazy! Like it's, it's such nuts. a crazy league this year. So maybe my thing about tight ends is wrong because Kittle has uh, Kittle missed some time with injury yeah. for sure, but he has this, you know less receiving yards than Zach Ertz and Darren Waller. <laughs> How crazy is that? Like, they, so you you get tra- you get trapped by these. You know that's why PFF has changed the conversation so much because we're not just looking at these raw fantasy stats. We're looking at you know grades and how well a player's played. And you know we could be thinking that George Kittle's having a bad year when in reality he's having a great year. Ready to get into some games here? Let's do it. Man. All right, we're gonna kind of fly through the ones that suck, and we're gonna talk about the ones that are good. There are Saturday games, which I love. I don't understand why there isn't a Thursday one. It doesn't make any sense to me. And three games on Saturday is too much. Don't put me in the meat grinder for three games on well, Saturday. Well, it keeps you from watching what you love the most, which is bowl games, too. But I would I just... not watch the bowl games regardless. <laughs> I'd be perfectly content if they just had one or two. If they took Houston-Tampa Bay and put it tonight, that would be ideal, in my opinion. Or I'm, Friday. I'm fine. That, that was what I was going to say. I'm fine with three on Saturday. But what they should really do is they should have one on Thursday, one on Friday, three on Saturday, and then the rest on Sunday, and then one on Monday. That, that how would be, beautiful would that be? I, is there a thing about, are people traveling today? Is that what it is? People going home for, th- visiting people for Christmas? I guess. But aren't they? Yeah. So maybe that's the reason why. Maybe why the, the two bowl games tomorrow are. But I'm not traveling, and you're not traveling, and that's all that matters. It's true. Houston at Tampa Bay. I believe Tampa is a three-point underdog. Is that yeah, still this, okay? is, this has been, as the parlance would, this has been steamed out to three, George. You know how much I like that. Because <laughs> uh, I believe when we talked about this on, on Sunday night, both of us like Tampa Bay mm-hmm. uh, to be the favorite in this game. And... You know, obviously, we probably didn't properly incorporate the two receivers being out, but this has moved all the way out to three. And in fact, uh, I I would venture to guess that it, it, it gets moves. out to three and a half because in I one so place too. I look, Tampa is plus three, minus one hundred five. Um, the total on this game has taken quite a dive as well, from you know fifty three or so to about forty nine and a half. We like the under from the get go. I still think at forty nine and a half with that key number. You might be getting some value here, uh, especially given, you know, I think people overrate what the weather in Tampa Bay, a place like Tampa Bay is going to be like this time of year. I mean, you're looking at 16 mile per hour winds, um, Not you, great. Know, you know, a decent chance of some rain. And so. And the fact that Houston has not scored, like Houston has, I believe, only scored on their opening drive like once this year or something like that. It's so, been a struggle for them. Yeah, I. I Three at home for the Bucks. James is so volatile; it's just impossible for me to to like that. But the under to me is the the move here. Yeah. Forty five and a half is is a decent value, especially because I mean I know that Arians' offense pushes the ball downfield, but at some yeah. point, you and I running routes out there is not great. the The issue here is Houston has a ton to play for. Tampa, it, I I sort of view this Tampa Bay team like I view the Niners a couple years ago, where they're not making the playoffs. But this time of year, they're trying to they're trying to build for next year. And, you know, that Niners team covered the spread with Jimmy G like five weeks in a row. Tampa here is one four in a row, covered the spread four straight They're um, I, I think so they're going to play hard. Houston does have something to play for. But at the same time, in the back of their head, they know that Tennessee is an underdog to New Orleans and that they get to play Tennessee again. Yes. So so, so I, would I say, actually would say that Tampa is a kind of a super live dog here because they're playing free. For sure. And they're at home and their defense is a lot better than people people think. 
Their pass rush is pretty damn good. Houston's offensive line is always sort of this liability. Bad. Uh, Houston's defense is a liability, even against bad receivers. And it's not that Tampa Bay doesn't have any talent left. Perriman had three touchdowns last week against a bad Lions team, and their two tight ends are still pretty solid. Jameis is always like throwing to Cameron Brait more than he's like throw, throwing to O.J. Howard. I don't know. To me, it's Tampa or nothing, and I lean towards nothing. But I'm with you. Buffalo at New England. New England, six-and-a-half-point favorite. This terrifies the living hell out of me, and it's not just because Josh Allen played poorly and still managed to beat Pittsburgh. Um, it's really because the Buffalo defense can cover, and the New England receivers can't do anything. Nikhil Harry separates about as much as the first two letters in his first name do, and that's uh, that's being generous. So I'm really I'm really nervous about this game. Yeah, I would be too. I mean, the, so we talked about this the other day. It's like, what do you have to, what do you, what are you leaning on if you, when you handicap this game as a, as a New England cover, you're leaning on, okay, New England's just a better team, right? Fundamentally speaking, they have a, you know, they have a better coach, they have a better quarterback, they have a better defense. Uh, they just know how to win. Can I push back real quick? I know. I'm, I'm just going to push back. They, but the, the the issue is, is I don't think that the gap's that big. No, McDermott's a hell of a coach. They make great fourth down decisions. The the support for Josh Allen is such that yes, he's not anywhere near as good as Brady, but the outcomes might be similar. And the defenses are, the defenses are about as good here, and that's why you're seeing this total, which I believe was 38 early in the week. Now it's 36 and a half, and you're being like. If you want to bet under 36 and a half, you have to lay a price. So <sighs> everyone is giving Stephon Gilmore a ton of defensive yeah. player of the year uh, buzz. And he's great. But you know, the the other wide receiver, the other cornerback to not allow a touchdown on that many targets is Tredavious White. Yeah. The two lowest pass ratings allowed over the past two years are those two guys. So as much as we want to talk about how great the Patriots coverage unit is, the Bills coverage unit is amazing. Now, they could have had both those guys, which is kind of crazy to think yeah. about. Um, Let's talk about the total, though. So the total is 36 yeah. and a half. And while the Patriots covering six and a half would worry me a lot, 36 and a half is just, a, it's like from the 1920s. How, how do we end up with such a low number? I just can't imagine this not getting over 36 and a half. Yeah, I, the, the, you're going to need some defensive scores. And the thing that is it going to be snowing? The thing that we didn't have the other day um, when we looked at, you know, Buffalo versus Pittsburgh and trying to go over that total. It's going to be 44. Yeah. I mean, I, it's just because these two offenses are both trying to play. But again, so so to talk about something that's interesting about the handicap, <laughs> it, it's the Patriots going the Patriots covering six is a lot is less likely with this total being 36 and a half. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to look at another angle here. If you want to include Buffalo in a teaser, it's a pretty solid play given this total, right? Because you can tease them up to 12 and a half, right? So you go through the key number of seven, you go through the key number of 10. The low total means, again, the variance here is not going to be that big. There are a lot of good teaser options here. I think the Bills are the best one of the weekend. I I normally am not a teaser guy because you get screwed over. But you need two things to happen, but the two things are more likely, of course, because you're getting points on both ends. Here, again, when you look at totals this low, the, those games are going to be confined. It was just like, you know, last week, and we didn't talk about this, but, you know, either team last week would have been a pretty, well, 
not Pittsburgh, but the, the Buffalo would have been a great teaser like because they were two and a half point underdogs. You tease that up to eight and a half. There's no way that Pittsburgh team was going to win by we, yeah. you know, sort of why we didn't make it the lock of the week because there's no way a Pittsburgh team like that's going to separate from a team like Buffalo. I think the same thing here. I mean, what do you need for New England to win by two touchdowns? You need, you need to pick six. You need to pick six, which they're capable of, but Buffalo has also you know, done a pretty good job of limiting turnovers over the last you know, yeah. 10 weeks or so. I like the I like the uh, over there. Okay, the the Saturday night game, San Francisco Los Angeles. San Francisco 49ers are six and a half point favorites to the Rams. Now, the last time these two played was in L.A. We were on the Rams, and the Rams just took a gigantic poop in the middle of the field. It was really unfortunate. Was, yeah, and the Niners weren't particularly good offensively either. No, but remember that game? The Rams came down and just ran the ball down their yes. throat on the first possession, and quite literally did not move the ball the rest of the game. Yeah. However, they had some really bad turnovers in that game. I thought it was as bad as the Rams played. It was still a fluky result. And now the Niners are six and a half point favorites. This game matters, but as we just talked about, it doesn't matter as much as people want it to. It matters a ton for the Rams because if they want to have a chance in hell, they've got to win this game. And there's a significant chance that the Vikings, not a, you know, there's a significant chance the Vikings could lose to the Bears and Packers because they've already have this year. So there's a ton of motivation for the Rams. Yes, the Niners are pretty banged up. They have an interior that just got abused by Grady Jarrett. A guy named Aaron Donald happens to play for the Los Angeles Rams. And the Rams have been doing some things offensively that are going to help them against the Niners. They've been getting rid of the ball quickly. I looked at this up last night because I was like, Jimmy gets rid of the ball way quicker than Jared Goff does. They're not even separated by uh, by more than uh, five-tenths of a second. Five one-hundredths of a second, I'm sorry. They're basically right there at 2.6 seconds, which is below the league average. Jared Goff's beginning with the ball way, way more quickly. They've cut down on the amount of pressure they're, they're allowing now that they've got some of those problems out of there uh, on the offensive line. These two quarterbacks are very similarly graded, and I would be very nervous if I were San Francisco right now. Th- this Our model likes this being a close, closer game than a touchdown, and so do I. Yeah, I, I think the Rams are the side here. Uh, this is a clear one where th- this again reminds me of when Seattle went into San Francisco on a Monday night football game where you look at a lot of the handicap things. It's OK. The total's 45. That's not particularly big for an NFL game in 2019. Familiarity breeds contempt. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you have you have the Rams and the Niners just simply don't like each other They're in the same division. That's going to reduce the, you know, the predicted spread by a little bit. Um, San Francisco is a smart team. They know, right? They, they, they're not dumb enough to, to think that they need to win this. Right? They, they, they know that what they need to win the division, which is to beat Seattle, right? So last week was a look ahead, you know, a look, you know, not a look ahead spot, but like a, a trap game. This has some trappiness to it as well. Um, there, of course, would be motivation to eliminate the Rams, but the Rams have you know the the rams have a ton of motivation to win this game and then the the kicker for me is that okay what are we fading we're fading the idea that san francisco there was nothing fundamental about san francisco's loss to atlanta there are a lot of people say oh that's just a blip on the radar screen there's nothing to it here no there was something to it here atlanta murdered the middle of the san francisco offensive line they expose the fact that when that defense is missing players they're not as brilliant as before in san francisco you look at since you know, basically the Arizona, Seattle, Arizona, right? You know, those three games, they gave up points. They gave up a ton of points to New Orleans. They gave up some points to see Atlanta, even in a game that played under. 
most of the game when it when it counted the most. Atlanta made two drives on them in the fourth quarter. There's something fundamental about that game, so people want to like overlook that, but that's you know it was important. And then the Rams, right? What are people like betting against? They're betting against the first matchup, which happened a long time ago, prior to Jalen Ramsey. Marcus Peters was on that team, you know, even got a pick in that game, but that was a totally different situation. And then last week against Dallas, where again. It was a classic thing. The Rams were favored in that game, got blown out. People are overreacting to that. To me, those are the three things that I think are going into this number, and I think they're all wrong. And the one that you didn't mention is that I'll just hammer home again. The Jared Goff-Jimmy G separation is not wide. And you could make a really solid argument that, in fact, while people would say Jimmy G is the better quarterback— that Jared Goff is actually the better quarterback and has been dealt a really crappy hand this season, and that's why he's graded worse. But Jimmy G is the one of the two that is making a turnover-worthy play more often than a big-time throw. Jared Goff has climbed out of, you know, horribleness yeah. over the course of this season. Well, can we and we can, we talk a little bit about the weapons too? Because I I'm I will concede a million times um, that the Niners might have better weapons, but. The Rams aren't don't have read, no weapons. Read this the last three weeks. Tyler Higby, week twelve, seven seven catches on eight targets, one hundred and seven yards. Week week uh, thirteen, seven catches on eleven targets, one hundred sixteen yards. Last week against Dallas, twelve catches on fourteen targets, one hundred eleven yards. Tyler Higby is not is not Kittle by any stretch of the imagination, but he's playing an awful lot like yeah. him of of late. Here's the only thing I'll push back on with that is. You need you need to stop targeting Tyler Higby and get the ball to your receiver. Sure, but then but then you look at Robert Woods has had uh, besides last week has had an amazing couple of weeks. Right, screen game. They need to push the ball Cooper, down. Field. Cooper Cup has been the one that's been the lost guy yep. for that team. Um, Brandon Cooks as well. But like, I think the Rams receivers are better than the Ram, uh, better than the Niners receivers. And I'll argue that the gap between Kittle and Higby, while big, is not enormous. You just slacked me something that is that I think we should talk about right now. So yeah. we're trying to find a lock of the week that will actually hit. And you suggested that we tease Buffalo to 12 and a half and San Francisco down to it minus half point, which I don't hate. But I am nervous about the Niners. I'm very nervous about the Niners. I, which I mean, again, I so let me. OK, let me give you an option here. You tease Buffalo to 12 and a half and you tease the Rams to 12 and a half to 12 and a half. I don't hate it. I, I don't hate it because because here's here's my here's. Oh, I mean, man, we are so tilted yeah, on this. Are, it's unbelievable. Yeah. This is this is an absolute Cause, disaster because this is more about Buffalo than anything. So we don't even <laughs> need to include the San Francisco game. But I'm just I'm just throwing that out there for you. I. Sure, let's go for it. That, the Saturday slate is fun. Uh, there's a couple games on the Sunday. Slate so let's keep that. Let's keep that in as in a mind. possibility. Yeah. Okay. So the Sunday slate games that are worth talking about. Um, let's start with uh, just the the big one, which is Dallas Philly. We talked about this a little bit. I on Monday, I did not expect uh, early Monday morning. I did not expect the Dallas Cowboys um, to be a favorite yeah. in Philadelphia, and they are. They're a two point favorite right now. Uh, total set at 46 and a half. We don't have show a real edge on either side of this, but if you got to take one of these game, uh, one of these sides, are you 
are you taking the Cowboys? I, it, here, let me just tell you where I'm at with this. It's two points. One of these teams is going to win by a field goal. There's just no way that the Eagles this whole season have shown me anything that tells me they're going to win a game that they need to win. Yep, no doubt. The 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 only pushback that I have is looking at these numbers, right? Because mm-hmm. Philadelphia was only, I believe, a four-point underdog at home against New England. Um, they were they were basically a pick 'em against Seattle at home recently. Mm-hmm. Um, the question that I have is is Dallas. Does Dallas, just by virtue of those numbers alone, worthy of that? Um, the pushback to that, of course, is that Philadelphia has lost to the Dolphins since then, and and, and has great. and has been given games by some pretty bad teams. Like you know, they were they were down seventeen three to the Giants. So. Uh, and, and on the ropes against they the Reds, resurrected class. Eli Manning. So, Joe Tessitore was having a dude, an so aneurysm in the booth after every completion. Yeah. Um, the I, book of Manning. We never talked about this. The book of Manning viz that they did, where they kept under. opening the book of man of or sorry, the book of Eli. Even worse. So you ever watch that movie, The Book of Eli? Or, uh, no, no. It's not. It's not. They were opening like a fairy tale book and making a reference to a movie that is nothing to do with fairy. It was so weird. I still have that. It still bugs me, man. Sounds weird. Anyways, um, yeah, I, if I have to take that game, I'm taking Dallas. We've talked about it already. So if you want to hear Here, about here's it, something that uh, that I that I think was funny. So John Mashoda on Twitter, Ezekiel Elliott has played five games against the Eagles. The Cowboys are five and zero. He has never rushed for less than 96 yards in those games. That makes me want to take Philly. <laughs> but no, I, here's a, here's another thing as well. And again, we talk about these sometimes. Dallas is at least going to push their under win total of nine. If you have anything on, if you have anything on basically Dallas to, to go under nine wins, do you wait it out? And if they lose to Philadelphia, that cashes. Mm-hmm. And then who cares what happens in week seven? Right. But if they, but if they beat Philadelphia, they probably don't need to, they're going to be locked in at the fourth seed because of the sweep you're what you're really you're doing making, is trying to look trying to get a look ahead number you're looking at, you're looking ahead to week 17 <laughs> and wondering do they do they actually play their guys against washington the following week um and even if they do washington could washington's a legit team i, I i'm more scared of playing the washington redskins yeah. than the philadelphia eagles yeah. all right but now we have to move on yeah. the uh the new orleans saints are going to tennessee to play the titans and you brought up a great point about this game so the titans are two and a half point underdogs at home they just got um shellacked by the texans in a game that they needed to uh, to win yeah a lot and, closer than it should have been frankly and that was the first point that you brought up that stuck with me right those two red zone turnovers but this is the bigger point which is the weather in nashville i've been in nashville in december i was there last year it was horrific mm-hmm. it's going to be mild and so all of the people that talk about how drew Brees can't play well outside of the dome First off, shut your mouth. Secondly, he is playing as well as we've ever seen him play in recent memory. And he, so here, let me let me give you my my reasoning here why I like the Saints. I, I'm with you in not liking the road favorite, short favorite. The Tennessee Titans defensively are non-existent. The only team, there's only one team in the NFL that has gotten pressure less often than the Tennessee Titans over the past like six weeks, and it's the Miami Dolphins. Which is not a problem necessarily if they can cover. And early in the season, they, they could, could cover. The issue now, however, 
is that they are starting, you know, Adoree Jackson might play. He was limited the other day. But you're starting Termaine Brock right now at corner. We saw that the, they got, you know, that game went under, thankfully, for Green Line. But they were, they were the, the ball was moved on them. Mm-hmm. They just got turnovers. You know, you have, uh, you know, Kenny Vaccaro hitting interceptions. You have Logan Ryan's playing in the slot, and he hasn't particularly played well this year. I think Michael Thomas has a day with him. Um, you know, they had this guy named Ty Smith playing a corner. But again, they're not starting their preferred players in the secondary. Nope. And so we talk about pressure and coverage, the intercorrelations between those two things. That coverage is not forcing the quarterback to hang out of the ball any longer. And hence, the pressure is not getting home. What, so, yeah, what happens if you have neither? Yeah, well, <laughs> and that's the issue. You're like, bad. You don't have guys that can get quick pressure. Harold Landry's fine. But, yeah, right. Uh, so... I yeah, think we should the, keep this one in the room. The more that I think about it, the more that I like it. The the issue is I, road fa- short road favorites are a trap, I think, sometimes. The Sunday night game is the Kansas City Chiefs against the Chicago Bears. And I am very much looking forward to this game for two reasons. One, I think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. And so I'm excited to see how they play. God, you're, you're just tilting me right now. It's... I just could not. I just see it. I yeah. just see it in the future. And, um, and Pat Mahomes, it's his time. You know whose time it ain't? Is Mitch Trubisky. And there is going to be such a fun angle about how the Bears fans have to sit here and watch Mitch Trubisky. They traded up to get it to when Pat Mahomes was, was on the board, and so was Deshaun Watson. The Chicago Bears, though, because of this, are six-point underdogs in yeah. a game that means really nothing to them. So This is steamed up as well. I um, mean, they have nothing to play for aside from losing to get a better draft pick. And, well, and pride. And pride. But here's the thing. The Chiefs, even if they win, just barely have a, a 29% chance to get a bye. So for them to get a it is really hard for them to get a bye. And here's the thing. They will already know what the Patriots have done. Yeah. So, you know, if, the, if you assume the Patriots win, right, and then the Chiefs are like, okay, we really don't have a shot. The Patriots play the Dolphins the following week, so they're right. not really a good chance. Of so are you kind of thinking to yourself, hey, maybe you know, maybe take the, the Bears at six. I'll get some value, you know, because mm-hmm. if all of a sudden this game is meaningless, it, you know, it's just hard for the, the Yeah, the hard, part is, the hard part is, is that the, I think that this number is very much correlated with the support that the Bills have gotten in the betting market, mm-hmm. right? So, because the thing is, the Bills—if the Bills win, right—and we've seen that number go from six and a half to six. If the Bills win, this number probably steams out because of motivation. Now, has it already preemptively done it, right? Because if if New England wins, then I do think this number goes down. Mm-hmm. So, there's an issue. Here's an angle I like in this game, and uh, let me let me let me know to let me let me know if you like this. So, this total has gone from 40, 45 early in the week. Down to forty three and a half. Our our number after progressing to the market's forty four point four, which is not quite an edge. But I'll tell you what I like. The first quarter total in this game is seven and a half. Minus one fifteen. Where can I invest? <laughs> Andy Andy Reid is he hasn't been the hasn't been as good this year early in games as he was last year. But I mean, you're basically looking for a 7-3 first quarter, 7-7 first quarter, or, and... I can get on board with that. I, I, I kind of like that. I, I mean, I, I'm 
obviously steaming the, uh, to use your favorite word there, the Kansas City Chiefs and their offense. I just think they're unstoppable. I, I like it. On Sunday night in Chicago, it's going to be 40 with 11-mile-per-hour yeah, winds, just, which is not terrible weather for this Did you time see what Pat Mahomes played in this past yeah, week? Exactly. So there are people that, that couldn't go outside to get their mail in that weather. <laughs> uh, that, that's if you a, drop a random Californian in that weather for two minutes, they die. Yeah, that's, that's an example <laughs> of one. Attack. That's an example of something that I think is a derivative that has some value. Another one which I even like more is Kansas City over 12 and a half first half points. Now you're going to have to lay a price for that. It's minus 135. But but that is to me if you're looking for an angle in this game, it's some of these, you know, if Kansas City I think I think Patrick Mahomes is going to want to prove a point. As much as Trubisky is going to want to prove that he's not that much worse than Patrick Patrick Mahomes on Sunday Night Football, I think I think Patrick Mahomes wants to prove to the world that they're a team to be reckoned with this year. Here's the problem: the person that cares the most about proving something for the Bears is sitting in a press box, and his name is Ryan Pace. Yes. So that is the real issue. One uh, last good game, and this is one that I'm very surprised about because. When we talked about it on Monday morning, the Vikings were, I want to say, three and a half. Yep. And we both talked about liking the Packers getting you know, more than a field goal. And now the Vikings are five and a half point favorites. And my thought, my immediate reaction is, holy crap, yeah. what the F is happening. So can you explain this to me? Yeah, I can. So people like people have looked at Zimmer's record as a home favorite over the last... <laughs> 340 years and they're and they they love the fact that you know and the, I, I don't even think it's been that good this year like they didn't even cover against Washington on that Thursday night game um but the, you know Zimmer Zimmer's against the spread record speaks for itself so people are going to say you know this game means more to the Vikings again the question is does this become more or less of a number if the Rams lose on Saturday, mm-hmm. right? Because if the Rams lose, Minnesota's in, I believe. Yep. With at least one more win, I believe. I, I can't. I, I have to I, look. I think you're right. The Rams are eliminated. So the I, Rams are eight and six. So they lose. They're at best nine and seven. The Vikings have already won ten games. And there's there's actually if you if you if you run the numbers out, Minnesota fans are going to be disappointed. There's a far better chance that Minnesota ends the season as the best team in the NFC North than the team that wins the NFC North. Mm-hmm. So so there there's a significant chance that this game is relatively meaningless to Minnesota because they still need the Packers to lose against Detroit. Right. Which, no. Uh, so so Green Bay might be the side here. And well, the tough thing is Green Bay because. Green Bay is basically locked in. No, Green Bay can or get, they can get the two. Yeah, there's a there's a lot that Green Bay has to play for. It's so, just not to win the division. They've already right, basically right, right. done that. So uh, I personally in Pickham will be taking the Green Bay Packers. All right, we have a lot of terrible games on the slate, and we don't have a ton of time. So what if we do this? What if we run through them? We take ten seconds each, okay, and we have a comment on either uh, the spread or the total. Sure, sound good. Yep. All right, the Atlanta Falcons seven point favorites at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'll take the Jags plus the points. Interesting. I'll take the over forty six and a half. Um, by the way, you can go to Green Line 
and check all of these out. PFF.com. You should do it. The Cleveland Browns at home, a nine-and-a-half point underdog to the Baltimore Ravens. Looks like money on Cleveland here in the rematch. I'll take the under if I if I like anything. I don't even like the under all that much. I hate everything about this game, um, but I'm I'm with you. The Indianapolis Colts, seven-point favorites against the Carolina Panthers. Give me all of the Will Greers. Yes. I'm here for Will Greer. He was... He graded so well in college. Yep. I know there's a lot of, well, he didn't do a lot of pro stuff, but yeah, I'm here for it. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals are favorites on the road in yep. Miami. I will take the Miami Dolphins uh, as, a, as a one-point underdog. Yeah. I, the weather, there's a 100% chance, or no, 83% chance of precipitation, 18-mile-hour winds. Give me the under in that game. Ooh, that's a beautiful call. The New York Jets are three-point underdogs to Duck Hodges at home. Total is at 37. I will take the over. I will as well. You love to see it. Uh, Doc Hodge is going to prove me right this week, by the way. The New York Giants are two-point underdogs in Washington, and uh, the total is set at 41. Your thoughts? I like Washington better than I like the Giants at this point. I I really like Washington. Uh, Two best players in that game or two most valuable players. Saquon Barkley's amazing. He just poured yeah. The Denver Broncos and Drew Locke at home against the Lions are six-and-a-half-point favorites. What an awful game. Yeah, give me Detroit. Sure. <laughs> as long as I don't have to watch it. Yeah. Uh, the Chargers are hosting the Raiders, but really the Raiders are bringing all of Oakland to Los Angeles for a little holiday party. I know this is going to break the rules, but I got kind of sad. I mean, I like the Jaguars winning outright because that really helped Greenline last yeah. week, but I got kind of sad at what happened because, I don't know, man, the Raiders fans deserve better than that crap. Absolutely. Raiders fans deserve a lot. I think the Raiders cover seven. Same. The Seattle Seahawks are hosting Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. The Seahawks, eight and a half point favorites, total 51. Lay. I will be going with the under. Lay the points with Seattle. Ooh. Yeah. This was the most gamblery segment that yeah. we've ever done. It was fantastic. We're now going to go take a shower. Uh, since have, we, have we picked our, our pick of the weekend? Oh, that's right. And we have to. Ugh. I don't hate the teaser idea just because it fulfills the the fact that we're very tilted by not having given to charity recently. Okay. Uh, let, let me say this. I I do really think Rams getting six and a half is a value. The fundamentals in that game, the narratives that are uh, out there in the, in the public eye. Um, and then I think my second thought would be um, teasing uh, the two. Okay. Okay. What if we did... Because here's another thought that is a, is along the same lines as what you um, are thinking. What if we did Green Bay plus eleven and a half and Buffalo plus twelve? Oh no, no Rams at all. Yeah, what? Because because I think both of those games the total is low enough where the teaser is more likely. Yeah, the Rams do have blowout potential. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Okay, so let's so we're gonna go with a six point teaser. We're even. We're not even getting. This. We're not even getting the best of the number here. But I can't believe Buffalo. This. Buffalo getting. What 12, are we doing? Buffalo getting twelve points. Are you paying for the therapy that we're going to after the season? You should just go get a Green Line subscription because what we do is we write up picks every week, yep. and you can basically guarantee at this point that the ones we write up 
are not are uh, not the ones. There's but, a set of games where we win and a set of games that we lose. We always pick from the set of games that we lose. But yeah. the model is doing very nicely, and you should go to Greenline and you should use it. You can check out all of the the numbers on. So handy, are we going to go with that, or or? I mean, the other thing the other thing we could do is we could just we do we think New England wins the game against Buffalo? Because again, we could tease that all the way down to zero. Okay, we we just need to stop thinking. Okay, I like I liked your initial okay. thought. Uh, I really do like the Rams getting six and a half. Um, we've just given you a wealth of information, and you're welcome. Okay, so so are we going Buffalo Green Bay or are we going Rams Buffalo Green Bay? Okay, let's do it. Uh, that way, I don't have to root against my Niners. The March to Miami is beautiful. I've been getting a lot of people in on the Airbnb. Sure, Made sure. a bulk tequila order. Starting to think about what kind of yacht we're going to go with. Love it. It's pretty exciting. Love it. You're ready to go. Look at you. Your Miami, your Miami colors are out. Do you have a story from uh, the Cincy Y this week? Uh, no, not really. I mean, you do, don't you? You were in there just putting up 225. Oh, that's right. That's true. Like, uh, it was nothing. I was. I was. Well, I, I, I read Timo's offensive line article and just felt inspired. So I went in to the gym. and Oh, man. You know, like, you have, when you're somebody like me and, you know, might, like, I still think I have some athleticism. I don't look like you, but I have some athleticism. That I have some, like, baseline that I, <laughs> that I need to achieve all the time. One of them is being able to dunk. And I can, after a couple years of, of not being able to, I can dunk again. Another one is being able to comfortably rep 225 on the bench press. And I hadn't benched in quite some time, and I just went up there. Just knocked it out. Just did it. So you have to, So those are like my baseline. I don't think I'll ever get under a five flat forty again, though. I think I'm a little too uh, slow. If for you that. started running with me, you might be there. That's true. That's true. You might um, be able to get it. Um, I, I don't have a, a story from the from the why, but I have something that I've started doing when I work out that I'm I'm almost immediately regretting. I used to never wear headphones, but now I work out in the morning because it's more conducive to my schedule and. I have to wear. I have to listen to some music, and I don't like just playing it on my phone because it's not loud enough. So I've been wearing my AirPods, and you know how I'm, how I freak out about cleanliness. So like now every morning I'm like also cleaning my AirPods. It's kind of a disaster. If it's your own earwax, though, isn't it? Like- no, it's not the earwax. I don't. I don't have earwax because I clean my ears every day. It's the sweat. Ah, uh, right. So now I'm contemplating buying like Beats to work out in. It's a real disaster. Uh, and I don't really know what to do. What if you have, if you were like working out with these like headphones? You'd be people like, do this. People wear over the head, right? I know, and it it blows my mind. I get the rock can do it because you can wear a new pair every day. Um, and here's the second thing. This is kind of a confession, but uh, I got a, a Christmas gift in the mail. So Drew Esikoff, who's the director of Sunday Night Football, is one of the coolest dudes that I've ever met. Sends out chocolates from this great chocolate uh, company in Connecticut. Bridge, humble brag over here. I'm going to get it wrong. Anyways, they're really nice chocolates. Is the point I'm making? He sent a box. I housed the whole thing in two days. <laughs> so with that, I'm going to need to go uh, run a few miles. Anyways, that's our show. Uh, we'll be back on uh, Monday, early Monday morning for you guys. Enjoy week 16.
Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details.